Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And we wanted to come at you this episode with much less emotional trauma, I swear. <laughs> in response to a, a conversation that's kind of buzzing around in the community. Uh, one that I think is actually really interesting, and I'm glad that we're having as a group. Um... But kind of started out at the top, uh, what is it, this week? Was it last week that uh, the video came out? Recently, I'll put it that way. Uh, recently, Discourse Miniatures, great YouTube channel, uh, covers sort of uh, Games Workshop hobby stuff, as well as some other mini games, uh, put out a video where she had done a poll uh, trying to essentially get a sense for the community around how many people who paint and build and buy Warhammer, specifically, actually play games of Warhammer. And uh, the results will shock you. But <laughs> genuinely, <laughs> a little shocking. Uh, John, what was it, like 47% of respondents? Yeah, it's like somewhere in the 40 to 42 to 47 range of respondents to this poll. Yeah, I'm look I have the actively, video up, but I'm sure that more people have chimed in since. Yeah, um, like they actively collect the 40k and Age of Sigmar miniatures, but do not play the game, but have the intention of playing the game. And that's almost half. <laughs> that's almost half of people who collect paint and want to play, not playing. And that is staggering. And like even Dana Howell, who is called out in the title of the video. Another YouTuber. She, Great yeah, paint channel. Has been, has been painting miniatures since 2019. And because of a multitude of reasons, has never played a game. Like, wow, wowie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll link to this video below, of course. Uh, they're great. And I'll also put Dana's YouTube channel below. She does a bunch of great paint content. Um, in particular, recently, like her contrast paint comparison videos have been a lifesaver for me. Um, so, little plug there. But, I don't know, I saw this number and I can't help but want to talk about it. Because that's... I mean, on Absurd. one hand, I want to say odd, but like also when I started to think about it, I'm not surprised, and that's a problem. <laughs> so uh, we're we're gonna take some time to talk about this and really dig into if you are a person who's not playing but wants to, what can we do to help you? Um, because really. If that many people want to play but can't, you know, I think it's our, I don't know if I'd say, like, civic duty, but it's, like, our responsibility as existing community members to try to help them, I think. Um, but first, hobby times and games played. All right, John, what you been up to? 
Uh, I have been working on the bastard knights that I'm going to hang all of your things you love uh, corpses with chains off of the robots. Ah, you! I'm going to blow them up with rail heads, rail guns, so fast. Hammerhead nope, rail guns. called rail railheads from now on. That's just how it is. I could I could live with that. I've also been working on Slaves to Darkness because I am the edgy one on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm Wholesome Cinnamon Roll. Uh, you are edgy boy who read Berserk too young. Uh, absolutely nothing but edge. I take a shower and I accidentally cut myself. What's up? Um, so I've been working on more Slaves to Darkness, got the test scheme done. I'm spending more time per mini than I'm used to with these, but I think that's part of the fun, right? That's part of the challenge. Like, I, like we kind of talked about this off the podcast, but uh, when John does minis, John is very good at doing these hordes that are streamlined for a fast process. That's, uh, John, would you say that's like 80% of what you paint? 70%? It's high. Um, yeah, I, I play Gene Sealer Colt and... You know, Skaven, so I just paint a lot of dude. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. A lot of bodies. And even your chaos dudes, like, that's a lot of cultists. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You just got chaff everywhere. So, like, I get why you end up with a style that's faster. But I think sometimes it's fun to kind of make yourself go against type. Um, And there is no better way to make you go against type than, hey, here's this hyper elite army that you have to spend a lot of time on per model. No rush in here. Yeah, there's a lot more bits and bobs. It also helps that these sculpts are beautiful. They're so good. Um, I'm not 3D printing most of Slaves of Darkness, by the way. Most of it is just plastic because I love the sculpts so much. Mm-hmm. Um they're just very good. It also helps it's an elite army and you don't have to buy a ton to get up there. So that's helpful. Yeah, the warriors, the chosen. Oh my god, the chosen. Uh, the Therodons look, also look great. The guy on Karkadrak looks amazing. Yeah, I love Chaos Lord on Karkadrak. It's a big fan. Like, I think the only thing I, that pops to mind that I think are terrible is like the Manticore model. Like the Chaos Lord on... Not Chaos, Chaos Sorcerer? Yeah, Chaos Sorcerer on Manticore. I'm not a fan of the GW Manticore. But that's an easy thing to 3D print if you end up running one. Yeah, that's it's not that big of a deal at all. The other thing I've been working on is a secret wholesome project that uh, will be unveiled over the coming months as I am getting the pieces together and working on it. And I cannot tell anybody. I'm I'm purposely working on a project in secret. Oh, ho, ho, ho. oh call me the CIA in the 1960s because I'm working on a secret project. <laughs> All right, Alpha Legion. Very cool. <laughs> I am Alfarious. I'm going to go fuck myself. <laughs> God damn it. Don't make Alfarious sound like a fuckboy. It's already too close to being true. I mean, Alpharius is the most fuckboy of all the legionary, of the Primarchs, no, even more so than Fulgrim. No, there's no way. Fulgrim is definitely yeah. more fuckboy. There's no, 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 no question. That's actually the next episode we're going to do is who's the most fuckboy of the Primarchs. He literally... Fulgrim had a, uh, a hunky blue-collar BF and then betrayed him so hard that he cut his head off. He didn't just leave him on red, John. He beheaded him. Like, Listen, 
Cool sword. Cool sword. I've seen you at a run fair, Joseph. I know you would betray me for a sword in a heartbeat. I would never. <laughs> Even if it did whisper unknowable fathoms to me, I wouldn't do it. Oh, no. Does that make me the blue-collar hunky BF? Uh, I don't know. You're very iron-handy to me. Oh, God, no. They have no flavor. <laughs> I would just walk around wearing a gorget for no reason. No one needs to ask any questions. The Iron Hands really like history. Yeah. It's not their fault that their Primark dies first. <laughs> God, what a tragedy. All right, John, tell me more about your secret project, but not too much. Because secrets. Okay, so I'm working on a, a like diorama of sorts. And it involves nature effects that I am not used to doing. So, and I'm setting a scene that is more than just like, look at this model on this base. Like there's a lot more going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, in which I am using lots of different art techniques in general, not just miniature painting. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's going to take me some time, I think, which is, I think that's my, my big hobby shift lately is instead of trying to go for speed and crank stuff out is I'm, I'm dialing it back and I'm just taking my time with a lot more stuff. Just mm -hmm. I'm going to slowly paint or work on this thing that I'm inspired to do. And if I'm not inspired, not force myself and see what kind of results I get. Um, and keep a like positive and healthy relationship with my painting. Mm hmm. I think that's fair. Like, I, I think it's nice to sometimes push yourself into zones that you're maybe not totally comfortable with or that you don't do often enough to kind of break the malaise. So I, I can't wait to see the secret project, but I will ask no more about it for fear of ruining the secrecy. Yeah, no more, no more topics on the secret project. And you can't ask me after the show either. I won't tell you that either. I will ask never. Not once, not never. But you, what have you been doing? <laughs> Playing Dark Tide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, John had a World of Warcraft release, and I got Dark Tide. So, like, yeah, there were some video games, okay? There's some video games. Um, but I also have been hobbying, besides just playing a lot of Ogren. Um, so I have been working on that their uh, couples project that uh, I talked about in the last book. Uh, my wife and I are working on well, not book the last episode. Yes, that's the word. Uh, the last episode. My wife and I are working on this uh, sort of couples soul-like gravelords project, where uh, she wants to paint a bunch of like hoardy stuff. And I would rather just paint big heroes and monsters. And so we're just going to do that on a project. And uh, I have been printing a bunch of minis for that to try to get that together. Uh, and finding 3D prints. And uh, got Blood Knights printed. I printed 20 Skelling Tans and some weapons for all of them. Uh, I also primed... And did underpainting for five of those blood knights. I'm going to... Oh, and a necromancer. I also printed a necromancer. Um, but I'm going to try to do a scheme where I sort of 
undershade the model with dry brushes of metallics and then come over it with different colors to shift that metallic color in different directions to look a little more dramatic. Um, but I got to the point where I was ready to start putting the big colors on and realized I didn't have one of the colors I needed for mixing. So I was stopped there. Um, uh, my wife, though, has been kicking but She's got like 30 zombies painted in the blink of an eye. So special interest. Hooray. Yay, zombinos. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's coming along. Try not to rush on it, but I've got the want, which is great. Uh, I also got in a couple of games. Played a game of Tau against my buddy Jake's uh, Ultramarines. He hadn't played in a little while, so we were trying to shake the rust off. Uh, that was a good game. Thousand points back and forth. Uh, he had a good strategy to try to get into me with melee Ultramarines. And hit first round was looking his way. Like nothing took very much of any shooting damage. It was really good for him. Uh, but that second turn was less good. And uh, his momentum was kind of taken out of it. But <clears throat> it was a good game nonetheless. We're both learning those armies. Uh, and then I also had in a song of ice and I, uh, a song of ice and fire league pick back up where, uh, we're doing normally weekly games, but last week was Thanksgiving. So we skipped that week. Uh, but this week I went up against Baratheons and, uh, we were playing a game mode that only had two objectives, like one on each far edge of the battlefield, which was weird. Uh, and it was the most cagey game of A Song of Ice and Fire I played. where But, like, it, we were so, so close that the moment someone killed one unit, the game was over. Like, you now have a mathematical wow. lead that I can't make up. Um, so, like, it, it was very cagey. It was very close. It was just a little weird. But still, a good match. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing some games. I've been doing some painting. But also, y'all, Dark Tide is pretty cool. <laughs> it's real good. Go play the go play the Darkest of Tides. It, I've got some gripes, but the core gameplay is so fun that like every time I load into a match, I'm having a good time, and uh, I I can't ask for a ton more than that. Now that they fixed some of my performance issues, but uh, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty good hobby week, and I'm looking set up for the next one to be just as good. Especially because I'm going to be playing some games, uh, which other people don't seem to have the luxury of doing. Let's talk about that. All right, John, let's jump into this sort of topic proper. Um, but I think it's probably worth like hitting one point right at the top before we dig into this. Um... And that is that, y'all, This these Warhammer games could be hard to get games in for. Like, I, I've seen some talk in the community from people who presumably play a lot. Questioning, like, how it could be so hard to play the games of this. And I don't, like, not outright sort of dunking on people, like, intentionally downing them or anything uh, for not playing but you know maybe that's the subtext to some of it but not quite understanding 
Um, well, like I don't, I don't think that the response when someone goes, "Man, I really want to play this game, but it's very difficult to get into because of time commitment and community response and the rule, like the mental load and all those other things." I don't think the initial response from the community should be, "Well, that's just Warhammer. You might not like playing Warhammer." Like, I think there's more to talk about there than just you might not like Warhammer. Like, yeah, do they not like Warhammer or he's Warhammer just dead? Like, and and something that like we're gonna call back to this video a bunch in this episode. In Discourse Miniatures video, the vast majority of people who responded with "I haven't played the game, but I want to," they still make army lists. They still read the rules. They still stay updated with what's going on. They watch YouTube videos about it. They build and paint these miniatures, but playing the game is difficult to accomplish in practicality. That's what we're trying to target, right? It's not necessarily like we all know that the rules are dense and yada, yada, yada. But like these people are putting in the effort. They just can't get the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's easy to dust some of that under the rug with, well, you just don't like Warhammer. But if they're doing all of that, they really like Warhammer. Um, Like that's not debatable. It's a non-starter. Uh, so like, I really do want to start this off to kind of not just push back against that concept, but to throw a haymaker at its jaw. Um, like people who are building and painting, but not playing definitely like Warhammer. If anything, they might like it more because they don't need outside motivation to keep it going. That's impressive. But, uh, just like, to be honest, Warhammer is hard to play sometimes. Uh, while we were trying to get ready for this episode... Uh, we were going back and forth and trying to come up with ways to make it a little easier. And it was startlingly difficult to do. Um, like, I feel like if it was less dense, it wouldn't be so hard to come up with, oh, here's five ways to make Warhammer faster. But uh, it, 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 there's no silver bullet to that problem. Uh, at least not that our meager, meager pea brains could think of. Um, we do have some for you, but none of them are absolutely fix the problem. So, uh, and it, yeah, it's worth discussing. And none of them are going to cut the time investment or the mental load investment to the point of something like A Song of Ice and Fire um, or like one page rules like those games are sort of built from the ground up for playability and i genuinely don't think that warhammer is um as sad as that is that is the reality um well we will we're going to be talking about in this episode how to improve warhammer games specifically but if none of these things work for you or if these things are disheartening and you're open to playing other games that's still an option for you and don't feel bad about doing so but if you absolutely want to play Warhammer specifically, that's kind of what this episode's for. Yeah. And so, like, we really wanted to front load this with not to feel bad. You know, if we give you a couple of ways to maybe ease things a little, uh, and it's still not enough, and you still can't play, you're part of this, you know, roughly 47% who still can't play, don't feel bad. Like... Y'all, it's a hobby, and if you're still getting joy out of painting and building and reading the fluff and watching the videos rather than just playing, and that gives you fulfillment, great. That's all that's necessary. Nothing else is needed. Um, 
and maybe in the future you will be able to start playing when your life circumstances shift or the game shifts or both probably both but like you know the time will come but don't wrap up some guilt in your hobby i mean it's it's weird and there's a lot going on in the world be nice to yourself yeah that's it that's like, it. Tip number one, be nice to yourself. You've got to be gentle with yourself on this. It's a fun little game about plastic minis. Like, I think we sometimes get a little lost in the sauce when talking about this because, you know, world's bad and sometimes you want to have an escapist thing to really nestle yourself into and wrap up in. But sometimes that means we are a little too feisty about these little games. Um, so just be nice to yourself if you can't play with your little plastic toys. It's it's okay, as long as you're still having fun. Um, but if you really do want to try to play, and you're struggling to do so now, uh, of course, there could be a variety of reasons for that, uh, but we're going to try to give you just a couple of tips to maybe ease some of the friction points, at least the ones that we think might be more most common. Uh... So, one of the things that we've talked about on other episodes of this podcast, but, like, that's worth mentioning here, because I think it could be a big one, is, uh, you know, one of the things that can make playing Warhammer difficult is if you live in an area that either doesn't have a local game store, or has a local game store that you do not like, or do not feel comfortable at, or do not feel welcomed at, uh... Or, you know, it just doesn't work for you to play at. And there are no other alternatives. That leaves you with a weird spot. Um, you know, it's a two-player game at its core. So if you don't have other second players, you might be a little stuck in a rut to try to actually find games. Uh, but John actually came up with this one. But it's the idea that, uh, you know, maybe you could build your own group. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I mean, obviously if you have absolutely nobody, it's a lot harder to start. Um, but maybe you have a friend who is interested, but just might need a little bit of push. Um, not like pressure, but like maybe you have a friend who's into the world, into the setting, but is completely lost on where to start. Maybe you just kind of do a little bit of the work for them. You like make it more digestible from them, especially if you know them very well and kind of introduce them slowly. Uh, get into it with somebody. Um, I think that's really easy because it takes a lot of the pressure off, right? Like if you and say your best friend from elementary school decide that you're going to play this stupid miniatures game together, you can start with like combat patrol boxes in like a garage with like books and soda cans and like <laughs> DVD cases as terrain stacked up. And that's completely fine. That's completely normal. It's just... It's something we call poor hammer. It's completely mm -hmm. okay. It's an art form. Uh, yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, you're using your imagination on this table to like simulate a war. You don't have to have a perfect setup of terrain. You don't even need to have painted miniatures. You can be completely honest. You can just play with what you have. And you'll have a great time. And then from there, you can kind of expand outward and start inviting other people you know. And you can kind of build up a community around it. But if you don't have that person at all, something else you can do is go onto like Facebook groups, onto Discord channels, um, 
look up like your local region for Warhammer and kind of lurk around, get to know people, start a couple of conversations and try to slip into a group somewhere or like meet somebody who is in a similar boat of wanting to play, but maybe there's no space or maybe they haven't been able to find somebody and then kind of like do a meetup, right? Find a, a way to, to meet up. And uh, maybe you're someone who travels really far to play to get games in. And so you only get to play a couple times a year. And maybe you have the means to create your own event. That's also an option, right? Is like try to get people together to pay for a space to play. Um, maybe one big event every six months or something like that. Like that is an option. Is it the best option? Is it the option people are probably the happiest with? No. But some games are better than no games if this is a thing that you're into. Yeah. Um, even if it's just one opponent, it's still play. And over time, you know, you might start adding a few more people to the group. And you'll know some of the hangups. So it might be easier to get them into a group that was started through this method because you understand the concept of it being hard. <laughs> yeah. Trying and, to and... ease their joining rather than, you know, just kind of going into a shop, which might be helpful or might be less than welcoming. And one of the benefits of making your own group is that you can watch a meta kind of develop over time, right? If you only have, say, you're a Dark Eldar player and your opponent is a normal Craft World Eldar player and your buddy is a Slanesh player, you only have to worry about those three factions. You don't have to worry about the rules updates to squats. No one's playing them. You don't have to worry about the rules updates to world leaders that are coming out. No one's playing them. And that's fine. Like, you don't need to worry about factions that aren't being played in your local group. And if it's a smaller area, that means less rules to remember. That means less things to have to, like, stay up to date with. And it can make it a more enjoyable experience. Whereas if you are actively playing in a game store all the time, anyone can really walk through that door with anything. And you're more motivated to learn everything. Which can be an overload. It can. Um, and then, like, I think that's kind of the first thing that I think some people get hung up with is not having many people to play with or consistently or a place to play. Uh, and some of that is just hard. But I think those are some good first steps. Uh, I think another thing that might be difficult is the length of these games. Um, the, these games take a while, quite a while. Uh, and yes, that could vary a little bit depending on your armies. But I, mean, I would say our average game is what, three-ish hours at like 2,000 points? Four, three or four yeah. hours? Like, yeah, probably about three, four if someone's newer. It takes a long time. And I've had some games take longer when teaching folks. Um, and that's a thing that we have to acknowledge is difficult. Especially if you have stuff happening outside of games that requires your attention. Yes. And like the, on one hand it is like a reality to accept, um, on the other hand, it's okay to like go, yeah, you could speed up this game to where it takes like two and a half hours, like a tournament game where it's just like 
decision, 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 decision. But for most casual players, they just want to sit down, have a few beers, talk with their friends, and play a funny game. Mm -hmm. It's about getting to hang out and have conversation while playing, not just grinding it out with no talk, only play sort of mindset. so if you if you create a healthy outlook on the length of the game ahead of time, you know, if if playing a three or four hour game isn't that big of a deal for you, if playing one game on a Saturday afternoon and then going home is okay with you, then don't worry about this. Like, just enjoy it. Just enjoy sitting and having some time with your friends. It doesn't have to be fast if you don't want it to be. But if you do, there's some things you can do, right? Say you have a buddy who maybe has got kids, or they, maybe they have some kids, and they can only fit in like two hours, maybe, on a Saturday afternoon to play this game. They really want to. Uh, maybe they can push it to three, but you gotta be a, you got to be a tight three. You can cut some stuff to make room in that time frame, right? In this situation, you would presumably have the hosting space and the time to set up ahead of time, right? Maybe set some time aside, make put up the table, put up the terrain, get the mission ready, have deployment ready on the table. Like, make it as easy as possible for the other person coming in to be able to just walk in the door, drop models, and get ready. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously do the hello, welcomes, and everything else. Like, no, that is no also greeting at the door. It is no silence greeting. until it's game. No greeting, just plastic. Uh. <laughs> but, like... You can do these things to get games in, right? We often kind of fall into this malaise of like, we have to be equal when it comes into putting effort in this game. But I think that when, you, when you're playing with a bunch of friends, I think not just in games, but in general with a, friend, with a group of friends, um, equality is not really the goal, but equity. Mm-hmm. And so if you have the time and the resources and the bandwidth to enable this to happen by putting in a little bit more elbow grease, I think it's completely valid to just do so and creating that uh, expectation within yourself ahead of time helps you feel like you're building community. And for the people that are very busy, I can almost guarantee you they're going to appreciate it. They're going to be very happy that you are helping them be able to do the thing they want to do because they're probably already jumping through so many hoops. Yeah. I mean, you only have uh, so much bandwidth total. And if a lot of your outside life requires that bandwidth, because, you know, life, um, you have less for games. But if you kind of meet them in the middle and kind of take up the rest of that slack for them, they could still play. It's a thing. And, you know, maybe down the line, you're not going to have a whole lot of extra bandwidth for games because your life stuff gets a little crazy. But now you have fostered in your group the idea that you sometimes go above and beyond for your pals. They might take up the slack for you. It's a beautiful thing. We live in a society. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, an example within our group, right, is we have, we don't have a lot of space and a lot, a lot of the players in the group don't have a lot of space to play. Um, mm-hmm. I recently got like a bigger apartment that I can fit probably about two tables at a time in. And I'm currently working on trying to get enough terrain in my setup to where all of the people in my region here in Kentucky can play. Like then to be like, we can schedule time to come over and play. 
Maybe Joe drives down. Um, because frequently what we end up doing is going up to Joe's house and playing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll get like four people at a time doing it, playing. But that is a much larger endeavor to be able to play games. And we mm-hmm. want to play more. So by expanding the places we can play, we're adding to it. But we've only been able to like build this framework and this, this way of doing it. Because at one point, Joe and I sat down and went, we want to play more games. We're going to make this happen. And we didn't even start at Joe's house. We started at the shop that Joe gets his stuff from and plays at weekly. Many of us drive up and collectively get together to play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we'd play and say, we want to be able to play more. And then elbow grease time, y'all. Like, we had to get tables, make terrain, paint terrain. I had to go buy a house. I mean, you didn't buy the house for Warhammer. But John, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but an upsetting amount of why I bought this house was Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> it is, the, the percentage is higher than it should be. Uh, God, they had like a... I've, we bought it from people who were a little vanilla, but like they had this big old room that was like a dining room initially when the house was built, and they turned it into like a toddler play space. But my brain immediately went... I could play little games here. And now <laughs> I play little games there. <laughs> but like, we had to make that work. And it did, but it has gone great. Uh, so like, if you see an opportunity in your endeavor to try to play board games, where you can get more game with a little more effort on your end that you're capable of doing, take it. Just, it's probably going to work out pretty well. Yeah, and... If you're a person who is benefiting from somebody who is putting in that elbow grease and putting in that effort, uh, maybe talk to them, see how you can help, or maybe start trying to take some of that load off or expand upon it, right? Like maybe that person's completely okay with continuing to to build these events and do these things, but maybe you want to play more. Maybe they don't have more bandwidth to make more play happen. Maybe you make your own series of like events. Maybe you make you do your own thing of like setting it up. Um, and the biggest, the biggest tip I can give you is do scheduling. Like, don't prepare something and give someone three days to get ready. Try to give people as much notice ahead of time as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we we make group chats to talk about it. We've got discords where we talk about it. Like, it becomes this fun thing. Like some people are just super into like football or they're super into basketball, or they're super into going to concerts. That's become a lot of things for us of like the big events we look forward to is all us all getting to hang out in a room together, talk about plastic army men, and make dumb jokes at each other wearing sweatpants and like band t-shirts. It's great. <laughs> it, like, even if it's only once every few months, like it's a thing that's on the calendar that I look at for that entire time going, man, I can't wait for that weekend. Like <laughs> That's going to be so fun. Uh, yeah, it could be a whole thing, a whole thing. And, you know, if you're a player, there's still some steps you can do to speed it up, right? Maybe you don't have the time to play, like, like build a table, get a space, set up events, set up like missions, build terrain. Maybe you can only show up. That's fine. Like if you can only show up, like not everyone can work on the thing. Sometimes people just have the ability to show up. But what you can do ahead of time is make notes for yourself, right? Build a an army list ahead of time 
and kind of walk through that list with yourself. Write down the stuff that you need, like the stratagems, the tactics, like make stuff to make your game run faster and smoother. Do research, Mm -hmm. right? Do everything you can to know the rules or things so that questions are to a minimum so you can just enjoy having fun. So that your buddy who does like very little time can get that timing in. Yeah. Uh, And that that sounds like homework. And in, in a way it kind of is. But try to think of it less like, oh, I'm trying to get hyper competitive or I'm trying to like grind out this knowledge Instead, it's just, man, you're, you're learning to play this game with your friends in a way that is less stressful for them. You know, people get anxiety. Um, people get weird with games sometimes. I'm sure we've all had different experiences growing up with games. And I find one of the most calming experiences for other people is when you know your shit. Like, you know your rules inside and out. And you might know their rules inside or out. And they read a rule wrong like oh god i cheated i'm sorry and you go no it's okay it's really confusing we'll just like do this to make up for it and it'll be right Mm -hmm. and it will raise the mood (laughs) yeah it's a thing it's a thing um and it will help shave some of that time off it'll just make it less mentally taxing it will make it faster uh and if you heard all of that and you're like guys like i I'm doing some of that or I can't do some of that or like it's still not a short enough window for me to be able to play games. Fair enough. Shit's hard. Uh, The next one is if you are presumably like in this 47% who doesn't play games, you're just reading books. You might from the way the books are written, get the idea that 2000 points are where everybody plays. And if you're at tournaments, that's true. And that is the direction that Games Workshop really drives in for 2,000 points. Oh, there's a crow outside. (laughs) Squirrel. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I really like Corvid. Um, Oh, what a handsome bird. Okay. Um, But... God, I lost my thought entirely. I saw one bird and my whole brain exploded. But uh, Games Workshop really drives in the direction of this 2,000-point model. That's what they want you to play. And if you think that Warhammer games take a long time, you might think this because you're thinking of it only in terms of like playing with 2,000 points on a table. Because that's what the books tell you to do. But if you, you... have done the rest of this and it's still not short enough or you're still having other issues or it's still too much mental load, uh, drop the points level of your games. It's totally fine to do. Yeah. Um, like while tournaments usually don't do that and average people's tables in my anecdotal experience happens all the time. I've played far more games at a thousand points than I ever have 2K just because it's easier to fit in. Or it's easier to learn on. Or it's easier to... tables are smaller. Yeah, tables are smaller. Mental load is shorter. Like, it's it's a thing. And I think in terms of making this time space shrink, dropping your points level is one of the most effective things you can do to try to get games in. Uh, Because every model on the table comes with a certain amount of complexity and time 
to use. Whether that's, you know, using its movement and moving it around. Whether that's shooting, attacking, uh, doing saves and wounds and special abilities, stratagems. Like, all of that stuff gets more complex per unit on the table. And I'm going to be honest, I think that if you are newer to this hobby and your playgroup is newer to this game as a whole, don't start at 2,000 points. A, the game's expensive, right? It is expensive to have a full 2,000-point army out of nowhere that you have built and painted and have ready. Like, that is a task. Yeah. God, B, that would be rough. Yeah, even 3D printing can get rough. Like That's a lot of minis. <laughs> For yes. some armies, that's a ton of minis, 3D printed or bought. B, that's a lot of rules to learn all at once in a large format that will guarantee you take more than three hours. And C, it will overwhelm you. Now, some of you might say, I'm big and tough. I don't get overwhelmed by rules. That's fine. I guarantee you someone in your playgroup is. And it's important when you're playing these games to accept other people have different mental loads they can handle. And that maybe it is better to start the conversation with, I want to start playing Warhammer. Let's start at 500 points. It's not going to be balanced. Let's just have fun. And then in a few weeks, we'll jump it up. In a few weeks, we'll jump it up. And before you know it, it's six, eight months down the road. You have 2,000-point armies across the board that you've built and painted, and you're playing together with each other. And now you have wonderful stories of each each other's forces building up with one another. You're like, man, that was a lot of fun. And now you can keep playing 2,000-point games, or you can switch it up and change factions. And I think that's where the game is the best casually, is building stories and experiences with your friends by building up to these point levels and playing them with a higher level of competency together. Whereas a lot of the worst games I've played have been, I tried to put a 2000 point army on the table of a faction I've ever played before, got slapped in the face by somebody who plays that faction all the time within like an hour and a half. And then I now spend two hours kind of waiting for the game to be over, Mm -hmm. Um, which is off putting. And if you're someone in the community who actively plays this game every week at a game store and you don't think that's off-putting, you're wrong. Like, nobody likes to get slapped in the face on the one of their first games with a faction at 2,000 points. Yeah, that's to, tough. Yeah, it's, it's a waste of their time and it makes them not want to engage with this game at all. And for every person that happens to, they probably tell their friends that are also into it and then they're going to not play. And we all want more players. (laughs) More player equal more fun, equal more gooder. Equal mini companies make more money, more minis, more gooder. Yeah, words. Like, I think one of the big things to end off here is that if you've been listening to this and you're newer, we've given you a lot of tips. But if you've been listening to this and you were an older player, like, I've been playing since like 5th edition, y'all. So, like, I know the additions change, rules change, it gets crazy. I've watched, I, I, I started playing back when there wasn't really a Facebook. Like you talked about it on like internet forums and met each other in person. It is a lot easier if you are already in the community to bring someone in than it is for a new person to break in. Yeah. If, if you're at your game store and you see somebody who clearly is like watching your games, but they're really quiet and like they could be as obvious as having a starter box in their hand, 
you can just start a conversation with somebody and be like, hey, I see that you got a starter box for that faction. Um, here's like my contact information. If you want to try to get a game in, maybe we can schedule something. Um, if you're new, like if you've never played before, maybe we'll start at lower point values, right? Like, don't look at it as charity. Look at it as bringing someone else into the group because you never knew who you're going to do that to. And that person might end up becoming a really good friend or a really good player to play with. Maybe you end up going to tournaments with this person. Maybe this person ends up becoming someone that you live with for, for 10 years. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that has no relevance to your life journey. Yeah. Like some of the best friends I've ever met, I've met through games, whether it's LARP, whether it's 40K, whether it's Magic, whether it's Dini. Like these are opportunities to meet new people. And that's fine, but if you're already entrenched in that, you're going to have to give a, give a little bit to this person to welcome them. Nobody, like, it's daunting to get into a new thing, especially Warhammer. You know, um, well, it, it's not a Warhammer example, but it's a LARP example. Whenever we went to LARP, there's lots of people who would show up for their first event, and they're kind of, like, doing the, pushing their index fingers together, like, I want to go on adventures, and... If you don't welcome those people in, they're just going to sit there for like three hours going, I want to go on adventures, but I don't know how to talk to people. And I don't know what the social faux pas are. And if you just walk up to them, kick open the door and go, we're going on an adventure. Most people go, awesome. I feel welcomed. <laughs> we're going to adventure. Yeah. I mean, like this wargaming hobby for some people can seem highly intimidating. I mean, like it looks like an impassable monstrous forest at nighttime with no obvious path and like they're just gonna stand at the tree wall looking in terrified wanting to see what's on the other side but not sure how to get through like sometimes you just got to come up and say hey man like i've walked this forest before like you want some help i got a flashlight i'll show you a path might make it a little easier and if you do it's good for your hobby it's good for your play group and I think it, I would argue it is the right thing to do as people who have played this game. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's a lot to say about we live in a society, <laughs> but this game is built off of community. This doesn't have a matchmaking system. This doesn't have like a patch cycle. This doesn't have a thing that forces people to play together. It is built from the ground up with social interactions and a social contract. And for a lot of people, that is a difficult thing, especially in an increasingly more and more online world, to manage in real life. If you already know the social contract and you already have like a foot in the door, you can hold hands with the person and bring them with you. And I think it's your job too. I think if you play this game at a local game store and you want to keep playing that game at that local game store, you need to bring more people to buy more stuff to keep the store open. Mm -hmm. If you want people to play with that in your local area, and you maybe play with one or two people and you see somebody who's into it that you know, bring them in. You know, you don't have to welcome everyone, right? Like everyone, some people are just not going to fit with the group. Like some people have bad politics, we'll say. You don't have to welcome in the bad politics, but you can welcome in the people and create a welcoming and nurturing group. And you'd be surprised what you get out of it. It usually works out great, <clears throat> but I think worth bringing up again is that, you know, <clears throat> you cannot just like shave off effort that has to be done, but you can take up the slack 
And if you're a veteran, especially, and you're able to take up some of the hobby slack to help them get started, please do so. And be willing to be flexible to help them stay comfortable and to learn. Um, you know, if you're wanting to play tournaments and you got a 2K list you want to test out, do not force the new player to play at 2,000 points, even if they barely have the models. Just, just don't, if they're not comfortable with that. That's, you know that's going to be a bad time. You know it. So just don't. If yeah. you, know, you got to drop your point levels, drop your point levels. you got to tune down your list so they're not so efficient, tune down your list. You've got to you know, really try to learn. If you have to learn their army to help them learn their army, great. Learn their army. You already know the YouTube channels to pull up right now. You are Googling Auspex Tastics videos right now. Like, well, that was that was the thing that I was going to get at was that like if you know there's a new player and maybe they pick up, uh, we'll use an example, Imperial Guard. Their codex just came out. Maybe they pick up some Imperial Guard models. They built them and they bring them. They're like, oh, I want to play these. Like, but it's almost all infantry. Don't bring an entire tank list. You know, maybe don't play your Chaos Knights. Maybe play something that they'll be able to actually interact with. Like Learn their faction, build a list that they'll be able to interact with that isn't just like building a list that they can win against, but building a list that they can have fun playing and learn different mechanics in the game from. You know, that's that's how I approach the first couple games with new folks is I will bring out a like I I I will create an entire faction to play that to go, this is my faction I play against new people. Right? Mm -hmm. Like Space Marines are a good option for 40k. Stormcaster are a good option for AOS. Um like fundamentals armies are very good for training new folks up to be able to, to know how the game works. And that's kind of your objective for the first couple of games. I mean, even if you're doing an escalation league, I think that for the first like thousand points, you are building up to competency. Yeah. Not efficiency. You're learning a whole new force with all new rules. Like it's going to take some time. Yeah. And that's fine. And doing that work, putting in that effort, builds community and builds a higher likelihood of getting more game. Yeah. And also, like, I think veterans helping can be one of the biggest, most effective pushes we can do to attack that 47% number. Because um, I just feel like having someone show up to be friendly and helpful and to guide you into it is the most effective way to help somebody get a game in who wants to and has been able to, unable to. You might already yeah. have the table. You might already have the terrain. You already know the rules. Uh, you can, you know what pitfalls to avoid. You might've made them, you know, that is just the best tool we have to help that 47% number shrink a little. And I think yeah, it's worth I've, trying to do. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of negative perception on the community out there. Uh, I mean, if you go on Reddit, it's pretty toxic sometimes. Same thing with the Facebook groups. Um, and we can push back on that. I think that's probably get stopping a lot of the 47% from coming into games, into game stores or meeting new people. Be nice. You know, be kind, be welcoming invite people to play they might be different than you that's okay you never know you might end up having way more in common than you'd think and break the perception that this game 
is only for sweaty dudes and the Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments next door. Like it is, <laughs> it is for everyone, and we can all play this. We can all enjoy this game. Some of us just might have to put in a little bit more work to get some other people in. And I think the work is worth doing. But all of this is just what we could come up with, y'all. I mean, we've really kind of racked our brains about it. Um, so we're going to ask y'all, is there more that could be done to help that 47% shrink that we didn't talk about? If so, please send it to us. We'd love, happily do a follow-up video with called We're Dum Dums and Forgot All of These Great Ideas. Take them, please. And if you're part of that 47%, go ahead. We didn't touch on stuff that are problems you're dealing with. Maybe we're just out of touch because, you know, we don't, we haven't been new in the war game scene for years. Like, sound like a boomer. Um, just drop, drop comments. Put it in yeah, there. Tell please. us what's difficult for you. Especially if you're in the 47%. Like, that's firsthand knowledge. You might give us problems we didn't even know existed, and then maybe we could help you try to find some solutions. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you'll throw something at me and turns me into the Mr. Krabs meme. Just like, oh, oh, I didn't even consider. Uh, so, Like, we ask it, of course, every episode because, you know, you got to click the doobity doos and whatnot. But, like, can't even link here, people. Please, reach out to us. We got social media and stuff. I would love to help that number go down some. And to help people play their first games who have never got to. That would be, God, feel great um so please feel free to reach out and if you like the show you know share and whatnot but also if some of the issues you're having is that uh there's complexity problems we have some episodes on that and if you like our format recommend maybe go look through the backlog and see if there are topics that might help you to get through some of the complexity and if there are some that you need addressed that we haven't let us know. We'll address them. Yeah, you can just send us messages on Twitter, YouTube, anything. Make a comment. We will respond to you. Like, if there's a problem you're having and you're like, hey, this is an issue I'm having. I, I can't find a response. I don't necessarily want to wait for you guys to make an episode. We'll just answer you directly. Like, it's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll be your friend. It's okay. And we, and we might make uh, an episode in addition. We've done that one. <laughs> so, please. We're here. Feel free to reach out. And for now... That's been all of our opinions, bona fide, and Kentucky Fried. We'll see you all in the next episode.